0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be looking at two verses today, starting from verse 24 to 25. If you uh, don't have a Bible, it's okay. Uh, In fact, we want to encourage you, as you have heard, we want you to download our church app, and there we have all the notes so you can kind of follow along with me uh, as I talk today, and as well as just different information of ways in which you can get involved and be a part of what God is doing in our church, so please keep that in mind as well. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, you can just kind of leave it open or just have it there for a moment. And I wanted to start off and ask the question, I'm wondering how many of you have ever felt frustrated in a relationship, whether it's with a family member, maybe a friend, it could be a co-worker, or it can be your roommate, either permanent, like your spouse, or maybe a dorm mate. And as I'm asking this question, I want you to think about it for a moment, and I think all of us in this room would agree doing relationships or being in any kind of relationship at a friendship level or a husband and wife or even just with our children. I think one thing that we could all agree with, it, it is not easy. Relationships are hard. And I, I feel like it's a love-hate kind of thing. Because when things are going well, it's great. You love it. You're like, wow, I'm so glad that God placed this person or this coworker, or this friend in my life. But when it's really bad, you know that it's excruciatingly painful. All the misunderstandings, the conflicts, even some of the hurt feelings that we experience or that we cause to other people. Oftentimes, it's in those moments where we wanna push people away, put up our walls. And some of us have tried so many times, after a while, we don't want to try anymore. It's just better to just kind of move on. I think there are a lot of reasons why a relationship with a family member or spouse or a friend, co-worker or even a doormate can be really good or really bad. I think sometimes it's just a lack of understanding. Sometimes it's just a lack of empathy, just being able to try to understand, think outside of yourself. And that's why I think a lot of the things are fueled by our self-centeredness, a lack of willingness to try to understand and to kind of go into their world. Sometimes it's the reluctance just to think about that other person because they've hurt me so much and this is what I want them to do for me. Or they need to understand how much they've hurt me for me to then even begin to forgive them. I think sometimes it's the unwillingness to make sacrifices and the investments that are needed in order to have good relationships. I wanted to show you this quick video and I think one issue that comes up when it deals with relating to the opposite gender is that men, okay, ladies, I'm gonna give you a word of advice. So this will help you preemptively to prepare yourself for the rest of your life. Men, we are fixated on fixing things like you want to share your problems and all these different things and we as men we're just men that kind of stuff for women it's not about fixing they just want to be heard and understood there's only a few women who can kind of testify to that but they just want to be heard and understood they they don't want their problems to be fixed and so if you can understand this, you realize that no wonder there's so many conflicts between a guy and a girl, maybe just even your co-workers or, or just anyone that you're in the context with in the opposite gender. So I'm going to show you this video. It's a little bit of a comedy to help you to understand just the extremities or just how extreme things are when it comes to men wanting to fix things and women in relationship just want to be heard and understood. Let's watch this together. (laughs) If there's a little bit of a parody or a comedy, uh, you know exactly what's happening in that moment. And I think this is the reason why relationships, any form, is just hard. A lot of misunderstandings, a lot of self-centeredness, maybe lack of empathy, whatever it may be. But we have to remember that God places different people in our lives so that it will help us, or they will help us, to grow and experience more of who God is. When there are unlovable people in your life, God is trying to teach you how to be more loving. When there are difficult people in your life, God might be trying to teach us how to be more patient. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing by placing these different people in our different contexts. And even though we're so different from others in so many various ways, we have to make our relationships with others count if we're going to make an impact in this world. I love what William T. Hamm wrote. He says this, There are many things which a person can do alone, but being a Christian is not one of them. As the Christian life is above all things a state of union with Christ and a union of his followers with one another, love of the brethren is inseparable from love of God. Resentment towards any human being cannot exist in the same heart with love to God. The personal relationship to Christ can only be realized when one has come to himself as a member of his body, the Christian fellowship. What a great reminder for us that some of us who are Christians around how to commit to one another, it is so easy to say, you know what, I don't need them. Well, in fact, in order for us to live this Christian life, we need to be in relationship with people around us. And that's why we're starting this whole new sermon series as we talk about Make It Count. And this has been the theme in the, even just the last couple of weeks has been reaching out to new people. And the reason why this is so important as we start off this new season is that we all of us have one life to live. And it's always that after a long life that we have lived and we're on a deathbed where we, a lot of people live with regret. I wish I could have. I wish I would have. And what we forget is that in this very moment, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you are able to make your life count. And we're hoping in different areas of our lives that we will make it count because we don't know when we're going to die. But when we do pass away, I pray that in our funerals, people will be there celebrating your life, the impact that you have made in their life and in the world. And that's why we want everything that we do to count. And so today we want to talk about to make relationships count. How do you make relationships count? That's going to be the first part we're going to be talking about in this series called Make It Count. Next week I want to talk about make it count with our time. That's another important issue. How do we use our time and the time that we have? And then in the third part I will talk about make it count with our faith. Just what it means to really live by faith. So as many of us are in this stage of transition, one thing we have to conclude is that there are people that God is placing in our lives, therefore we want to make all these relationships count. So let me highlight two things for us to remember about how our relationships can be meaningful when we live it out very purposefully. So as you have turned to Hebrews chapter 10, as we will look at these two verses in 24 and 25. Let's go ahead and I'm going to give you the first point. To just expound on this idea. The first is this we must care for each other. Can everyone say that together? Come on. We must care for each other. The whole book of Hebrews, if you've never read it before, the whole book of Hebrews talks about the supremacy of Christ, that He is the ultimate. Everything that you are searching for, everything that you are striving after, it is Christ. You will never be fulfilled. You will never be able to find that true peace. You will never be able to find that true love. You will never be able to find that true purpose in life until you know who this Jesus Christ is, that he is far better than anything else in the world. That is the whole premise of this book in the book of Hebrews. And then in the beginning of this chapter, as we look in chapter uh, 10, one of the things that we notice here is that there's a reference to the Old Testament law. And how all the Old Testament, everything was a foreshadow to Christ. All the sacrifices that the Jewish people had to make, all the different observances, everything was pointing towards Christ. Even the message of the prophets, the things that they spoke on, it was about this coming Messiah. It was about Jesus Christ. So all these things were pointing to the supremacy and to how Christ should be our ultimate. Then in verse 19 and 23 we see that through Christ's perfect sacrifice when he died on the cross it is in that moment that we now are able to have confidence in approaching boldly to the presence of God. We can enter now into the holy place. In the past it was done through the animal sacrifices that made us clean but now through Jesus Christ our high priest that we are able to be cleansed in a new and living way. That's why I want to read to you a couple verses prior to what we we're going to be looking at. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 to 23, in the New Living Translation, it says this. And in the yellow, if you could just read along with me, it says this. Let us go right. consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So here we see, because of Jesus Christ's ultimate sacrifice by dying on the cross, now as we've been sprinkled with that blood to cleanse us, no longer the animal sacrifice, but Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, we can now enter into his presence with this full assurance and this hope that we have. And because God is faithful to everything that he has said. And through this now, we enter into verse 24 and 25, which is going to be very important. So I want to go ahead and start talking about how we must care for each other. Let's go ahead and read verse 24. This is what the Word of God says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's just pause here. I want to expound on this verse. The phrase, let us, now this is the third time that the writer of Hebrews mentions this in the three verses. In verse 22, we see the phrase, let us draw near with a pure heart or true heart. And then in verse 23, we see the phrase, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And then in verse 24, as we have just read, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Why in these three consecutive verses we see this idea of let us? And the more you begin to understand the Bible, you realize the emphasis the author is making is that the importance of doing things together. I think for a lot of us, we can confess that we live in a world where independence, self-determination are applauded. Many of you, that's how you grew up. Ever since you were young, you were taught to try hard and do a lot of things. So when you win that award or when you are very successful, it is so easy to think to ourselves, I accomplished this. My hard work. And I'm not saying that it's not hard work or you haven't done anything. But truly, a lot of times, it reinforces this idea that everything that I do, I don't need anyone else as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. That's how I'm going to be successful. That's how I'm going to be successful in school and get that GPA, and to be able to get that job. That's how I got the job, through that interview. And that's how I got promoted, and that's why I have the salary that I do, and this is why I have the bank account with the amount of money that I have. It's all about self-determination and uh, independence. But the significance of being in a relationship with other people is so that we can live the Christian life in community. That's why all throughout the New Testament this idea of community is constantly reinforced again and again. The one another's. You cannot, as I read earlier, do Christianity or even love God by just being alone. You have to do it with other people. You have to be in community. I want you to also note the word consider. The word consider, it says, let us consider. That word consider has the connotation of having the mind attentively fixed. Or to have this continuous care. As you're thinking about it, you're, it's consuming you because it's important to you. I think it's very hard to find people in our lives who care for us enough to tell us things that we might not want to hear. The purpose of attentively having our minds fixed and having this type of continuous care is to what? Is to stir up each other to love and good works or good deeds. The phrase to stir up can be translated as to provoke or to incite. Listen to what the New Living Translation translates that first part. It says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. Read along the next part with me. Let us, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping others. So it's about motivating one another. It's about trying to come up with some different ideas to help us, to encourage us to love and helping others out. Those of us who are new to our church, we have something called life groups. And the importance of life group, and we call it life group because each of those letters of life represents something. Because we believe that when you are in community with other people that God has sovereignly, purposely brought into your life, that there are things that you're going to experience like never before. And so the L is for love, to be able to experience love for one another, to fulfill the command of love your neighbor as yourself, to experience the love of God. And then in return to love God. What a great opportunity when you're with other believers or other people. And I know that some of you are here and you might not have a faith or you're still seeking. Some of you might have grown up in the church, but then you fell away. And some of us has just kind of drifted away and turned away from the faith. And now we're slowly trying to come back as we're starting a new season in our lives. And so wherever you are, when you think about Love, you realize that apart from people and what the Bible says, what love is, many of us, we're going to be searching. The I stands for investment. Anything that's significant requires some level of investment. Think about your life right now. The things that you're doing, it required some investment. Some of you who are so keen on making sure you look a certain way, I mean, you go to the gym two hours a day. That is commitment. You could work a little bit, you know, anyway, but it it takes commitment. Just think about some of the activities that you do, different programs you're a part of. All these things require commitment, and all these things require investment. And so we want to invest in one another. We talk about F, which is faith. Just learning how to develop in our faith and be able to have faith in God and faith for other people, as we encourage one another, spur one another on as we see here, how important that is for us. And the E stands for enjoyment, just to be able to enjoy the things of God and the people that he brings in our lives. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think so many people think that Christians have to be really sour. Sour. You know, they have this idea that Christians are like killjoys. They cannot have... I'm telling you right now, if you want to experience true joy, it comes from Christ and Christ alone. Can I get a good amen to that? And a lot of us, we forget that sometimes when you enjoy things, the purpose of it is so that we can glorify God. Isn't that the full purpose of man, human beings? To The chief end of man is to know God, enjoy Him, and glorify Him forever. That's our purpose. To be able to enjoy the things that God has created. So we want to be able to laugh together, enjoy things together, experience life together. And this is what we have in our church. And I believe this is one of the best ways to be able to care for one another. Let us do it together. Consider. It's going to take some care and to think about how we're going to do this. To spur or to stir up, to provoke, to incite in one another love and good deeds i think another thing that some of you might not be familiar with if you're new is we have this thing called lcg which is a life change group and it just operates on a simple principle of 111 you meet with one other person for 1 hour once a week it's the person for 1 hour Once a week, what you're doing is you're sharpening each other by challenging one another. How are you doing spiritually? Have you read your Bible? You're sharing about your parents. How's that coming along? You're sharing about your children, how they're struggling with different things. How's that coming along? I've been praying for you. Are there things that I can do to help serve you? Hey, man, I I, I think, you know, you forgot a lot of the stuff that you committed to. I think we need to kind of get back into it. Like, do you have those kind of people in your life? That's something that we try to do in our church, to have this LCG, to strengthen those relationships so so you can feel the care, but as well as to be challenged. I think the idea of mutual exhortation was something that the early Christ followers would always practice in their daily lives. Listen to what the writer Hebrew said earlier in chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, and read it in the yellow, but... Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So this idea of exhorting one another every single day. The message translation of that verse says this, For as long as it is still God's today, keep each other on your toes so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes. I love that. Like, when was the last time someone kept you on your toes? Like the propensity to get lazy, to just kind of do whatever you want to do, not to obey God. But somebody who's constantly reminding you, challenging you to be on your toes so your reflexes can be sharp. This is what we call ninja level. You just think about it for a moment. How about us this morning? Who are some people in your life that can encourage you and challenge you towards love and good deeds? I'm wondering, do you care enough about people, those people that God has placed in your life? to speak the truth in love. This is how relationships will become meaningful when you do it purposefully. When you're able to say, this person is important. God placed them in my life. I want to help them as they help me. The second point that I want to mention is simply this. Not only must we care for each other, but as I alluded to earlier, we must commit to one another. We must commit to one another. Let's finish off with verse 25. Listen to what it says here. You can follow along. It says this, Not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, the emphasis in the Christian life of meeting together was something that the early church made it into a priority. Can I just pause here? and Like, like we have many new people today, and it's great. I don't know your church background. I don't know your spiritual journey. But if some of you have been, quote-unquote, if I can use that word, a Christian, I think for many of us, we have relegated Christianity to just on Sundays. Or worse, I would say some of us think that church is a building. We're going to church. Or we're going to that building where we have church. But church is really... The people of God. It's a gathering of the people of God. So it doesn't matter if you're meeting in the canteen, praise the Lord. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're meeting you know, in a movie theater or wherever it is. It's not the building that's important, but it's the people. And I think so many of us growing up in the church, we have thought to ourselves, as long as I go on Sunday, you do your religious thing, I don't know if some of you are like the lifting up hands or like, you, you know, sit down, sit up. I don't know what your tradition is, uh, but you can tell what we do here, right? So some of you are like, oh my God, this is like an overload, you know? But just think about this for a moment. You, you do your thing on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, you live your own life. You totally forget about God. It's almost kind of like, God, I'll give you the wheel on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, I'm cruising. I'm doing my thing. And I think this is something that describes a Christianity that I have often seen, not only in the States, but worship. We don't call it service. In our church, we call it Sunday celebration. We are celebrating all that God is doing in our life groups where church really happens. Now, please, let's not try to embarrass anybody, but look at the person's head in front of you. Some of you are like, oh my God, that person didn't take a shower, whatever the case. But please, let's just all kind of keep it down for a moment. But think about this. This is what we do for about 45 minutes. We just look at people's heads. And if you get bored, we look at the other person's head. I don't know how you could do one another as we see in the New Testament. Unless we're able to face each other. Whether in a circle, in a more of an intimate setting, and to be able to practice the one another that we see in the Bible. Love one another, forgive each other, to be devoted to one another. All these one another, there's over 50 some one another's in the New Testament. To do these things, we have to be in community. And as we gather together, we're facing each other. We're like, brother, you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. Because God has loved me, I love, I'm, I'm loving you. And we're committed to each other because we are the family of God. And so I just want to say to those of us who grew up in the church and you think to yourself, oh, it's a Sunday and Monday through Saturday is my life. I want to tell you, there is nowhere in Scripture that talks about that. In fact, it's more the other way around that all these gatherings every single day, as you meet together, because they were in community, they lived amongst one another, they gathered together, they fellowship together. That's why the phrase here, to meet together, So don't neglect, meeting together is translated as assembling together. That word, assemble, is used in the context of coming together to worship. Therefore, today it will be like life group as we talked about. It will be like LCG as I talked about. It's like coming on Sunday and celebrating all that God is doing throughout the week in our lives and in our life group. Some of the people in the Christian community, for those of you who don't know the background of the book of Hebrews, they were feeling this pressure of persecution. And therefore, they weren't participating in the Christian assembly. Because, I mean, think about it. If you gather together, there's a high risk of being caught and taken away and being persecuted and even killed. So the writer of Hebrews could have said, We know that there's a lot of persecution, things are very scary and dangerous, so you guys all meet separately on your own. But he makes it very clear, even in the midst of persecution, don't neglect meeting together, to assemble together. He's exhorting those people who have slowly drifted away. And they neglect this important aspect of the Christian life. That's why, as I shared earlier, Christianity that is done alone is not really Christianity. You could be a monk somewhere up in the mountain. You could be a, a religious person. You could be a mystic as you climb high in a mountain somewhere and just kind of be with God. But to really experience a Christian life, it has to be done with other people. Just from this exhortation, we we can conclude that some of these people made it into a habit of not gathering together. I want you to look at the word habit in verse 25 there. It is translated as manner or custom. So the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. What he's referencing? video games are great, but it could be a bad habit. I was just about to share a few others, but I realize it might make some of you very embarrassed. I, the Holy Spirit told me to shut my mouth, so I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to move on. When you do something repeatedly over and over and over again, after a while, we just become very apathetic. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't make it a habit where you stop gathering together. And I was thinking about this as I was meditating on this verse and I was thinking about my own life. And I was thinking about how many times that I know I'm supposed to do something, but then after I stopped doing it, maybe for that one time, maybe the second time, and then after a while you start feeling bad. And then when you start feeling bad, you're just like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe it's just me. I mean, don't raise your hand, but I'm wondering how many of you kind of been in that situation. Where after a while you're like, okay, fine, it's just, just better, I don't do it. And you just avoid it. And as I was thinking about this, I realized this bad pattern of maybe you don't come out to that one gathering that everyone was expecting you to be there. And then you're doing other stuff or maybe you're sucking at home and you're just like, oh my God, I don't want to go, but I should have gone, you start feeling really guilty, really bad, and then the next time there's that thing, and then you just feel maybe they're kind of looking at you or judging you, so you're like, well, forget I'm not going to go, so you don't go again, and you do this over and over again, after a while, guess what? It becomes habit, and you become apathetic, and not only do you feel that, but you also feel this longing where you do want to get back, but you're afraid. What would they think? What would they say? And so it's always easier to protect yourself and not even try I think the best way to break a habit such as this is just to humble yourself and to go and to simply ask for help. I think that's one of the best ways. Yeah, I've been MIA, those of you who don't know, missing in action. Like, I, I, I've been flaky. Just kind of like when the wind comes, it just flies away. I've I've been very, you know, here and there. And I've been struggling. Things have been hard. And that's why I became more apathetic and I feel guilty and just, I want to come back. I need it. You know what the leader will say to you? Well, we've got to pray about it. How dare you? Uh, Of course not. They're going to be like, welcome back. We've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. For God to speak to you, for God to work. I don't want to, I don't, you know what I'm talking about? Don't you hate it? Now, I'm talking to the other side. Don't you hate it when that leader's like, hi, where are you? We missed you. And we're like, okay, so what do you do? You blue tick them all the time. Or you don't even blue tick them. You just kind of delete it. Because you just don't want them to constantly remind you of your state, of where you are, your heart condition. So it's just better to ignore them. But I want to encourage us to understand that what God is trying to do is he's bringing these people into your life because not only does he care, but he's committed to you, wanting you to grow and experience the things of God. So humble yourself. We have to keep in mind that this is not, this is important, this is not. Everyone say not. This is not about church attendance or life group attendance. Some of you are like, oh gosh, I have so many other things. I have to go to life group again. I have to go to church. This is is not what he's saying. I think the reality is when we start removing ourselves from people to the things of this world and our old way of life, So what he's saying is, it's not about church attendance, it's not about life group attendance, but what he's saying is, it is your spiritual soul. You are removing yourself from the very thing that will help you to grow. The very thing that will help you to get on this path, to keep on becoming more like Jesus. And that's why by having people in your life, like in a life group, or even in a gathering like this, and even in the LCG, it helps you to have this meaningful relationship that is purposeful so that you can be all that God has called you to be. And this is just an avenue to do that. That's why don't neglect coming together and meeting together. I think for some of us in this room, our expectation of life group hasn't been what we expected. So some of us are discouraged. I want to speak to some of you in this room who have been part of our church and you have stopped going to life group for whatever reason. You might have been hurt. Maybe some of your expectations were not met. Maybe there's certain things you wanted. Maybe a leader said certain things to you. Maybe it could be as simple as you just got too busy and you realize you put God on the sideline. To you, I want to share something that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, who was martyred by the Nazi regime in Germany when he was sticking up for the truth. The theologian, the pastor, listen to what he writes. And this is so important for us. you got to listen, especially those of us who made a decision, I'm not going to get involved in life group or this and this. I want you to listen to this or you can follow along as you read. And I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you and that you will repent of your sin, your self-centeredness and your selfishness. Listen to what he writes. He says this, God hates visionary dreaming. Some of you are like, oh my God, that I'm not supposed to dream. Just listen carefully to what he says. He's talking about in the context of community. Community. And he says, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters a community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren and God according. Accordingly, he stands adamant a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then accuser of God, and finally, the despairing accuser of himself. Wow. If that doesn't convict you, I don't know what will. What he's simply saying is this. Let me summarize. Some of you are like, I don't know what he just read. Let, let, let me summarize it for you in very simple, plain English. Some of you come into community with your own ideas. What it's supposed to be like? What they're supposed to do for me? And as soon as that self-centered mindset is not met, You start accusing people. People in that group, you start accusing God, and ultimately you start condemning yourself. And that is the very thing that hinders you from experiencing the very thing that you need in your relationship with God. And I've seen this to be true time and time again people who are very idealistic, they have this idea of what they want, what they're supposed to do, how their Christianity is supposed to be like, and when I'm challenging you with this, maybe it is that very group of people that he's placing you in because he wants to expose your heart. you have wounds from your parents that you have never addressed. You have wounds from maybe a friendship that went awry. And now by being in that group and there's someone who reminds you of that person, that is God's gracious mercy to help marriages, to wake you up, to tell you the world is flawed, there is sin in this world, and you will be hurt every single time. And if you do not understand that and you think, no, I should never be hurt, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what world you're living in. This is why the beauty of the gospel simply says that though there is sin and hurt in this world, through Jesus Christ, in his mercy and his grace, you can experience freedom, healing. That's why he died on the cross. I think this is one of the reasons why so many of us decide not to be a part of community. Some of us decide, like, I'm not going to do that because, you know, because it's because of what you imagine. And this has to break. God has to shatter that. He has to smash that for you to realize you are just as flawed, if not worse, than those people in that room. It's just your spiritual pride, your self-righteousness that needs to be crucified on the cross. Then to be able to say, God, this is who I am. I am flawed. I'm so messed up. But thank you that you still love me. You forgive me. And as I experience this, I want to be a blessing to others. I want to love people. I want to serve people. I want to forgive people because you have forgiven me. The thing that should motivate us is the gospel. That's why we want to be a blessing to others. Too often we have a mindset of what we can get out of a meeting rather than what I can give. Can can we just pause there for a moment? Can you imagine if every single gathering we have in our church that instead of what I can get out of it is what can I give? So here you are playing your video games or doing whatever at work and instead of like, oh, what can I get out of it? I don't really. Nah. What can I give? There might be a hurting person. There might be a newcomer that I could share my life story because God has reached out to me. If you think that way, then you're going to be like, I-, I need to go. You're laying there in bed. You're like, I'm so tired. I'm not going to get anything out of it. If, if you keep on operating, what can I get out of it? I'm telling you right now, you probably won't go. And you're going to neglect the gathering of together in in whatever gathering that is, that's Christ-centered, you're gonna lay there and be like, no. But if you think to yourself, who can I serve? Maybe there's somebody more tired than me. It's being other-centered that will help you. This takes commitment. That's why in verse 25 we see this importance of encouraging one another. It's about what we can give and do for others. How do you encourage somebody? How do you lift them up? This will change your perspective and your attitude. This is why committing to one another is so important in building community. And then I want you to look at verse 25 at the end of it as the author adds, as you see the day drawing near. This is in reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ where there will be a final judgment. So as you think about when Jesus Christ, he can come back in any moment so that as you commit to one another and to encourage one another, All the more that you see Christ coming back, every day you wake up, that's one day closer to Jesus Christ coming back. We don't know when he's going to come back, but he's going to come back. And so when we get up in the morning, that's another day closer. And so as you see all the day, the more approaching, what he's saying is Jesus Christ is coming back. And because he's coming back soon, or we don't know when, but he's going to come back, we need to continue to commit to helping each other to grow. How about us this morning? Are we committed to the important responsibility of assembling, meeting together with others in community? I'm wondering how many of us have made it a habit of not wanting to commit to anything. Whether you've been hurt, whether you're lazy, you don't care, you're pursuing other things. Maybe this is time to recommit. God created us to be in a relationship with him. That's why he did everything possible to pursue you. That's why he brought different people. He brought you to Hong Kong. He brought you this group of people because he is pursuing after you. Because he longs for a relationship with you. Not only because those of you who don't know him, but some of you who have fallen away or pushed God out of your life, he is pursuing after you. And he showed that ultimately by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and mine. That if we humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are sinners, that we need Him in our lives, I'm telling you right now, your life will be completely flipped upside down. And it is in that moment then you realize it's not just my relationship with God, but He created me for relationship with others. And in that understanding, that's where you will want to love one another, commit to one another, care for one another. That's why the one thing that I want to Summarize everything I've been talking about is simply this. Our relationships can be meaningful if we allow it to be purposeful. That all our relationships, when it's centered around Christ, it can be very meaningful as long as we do it purposefully. As we say, I'm going to enter into community with you so that I can experience more of God and who he is. I want to quickly give us some next steps. It's easy to hear a message, walk out of here and live your own life again. I want to challenge you to take a next step. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're over here, take one step. If you're over here, take one step. Like That's something that we value in our church, not just mere listeners of the word, but doers of the word. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, convicts you, then what do I need to do next? God can speak to you about next steps, whatever it may be for you, but these are just some thoughts for you to kind of say, okay, I can do that. That could be a good next step for me. So the first thing is this, sign up for a life group. I I should have just ended there, and that would have been the whole sermon. (laughs) Sign up for a life group. Something I always tell my kids when they were growing up is, in the Kim family, you try it once, and if you don't like it, you never have to do it again. But you have to try once. So it's it's such a great joy when I see my kids eating broccoli and carrots, because I didn't force it. It was, it was more my wife. she was good at like <laughs> I think if I was just parenting by myself, I would like, eat it. you know. But we decided, just try it, because that's our rule. If you're going to live under the Kim household, but if you don't like it, then you don't have to do it. And we operated in that kind of mindset. And so I always tell people, try it once. And if you're like, "Oh my God, that's the worst experience I've ever had in my whole life," I'll never come back again. We're like, "We love you, okay." I respect that. But how many of us have tried something? And you're like, "Oh my God." I was talking to some Malaysians this week, and we we're talking about one of the most favorite fruits in the whole world—the king of fruits. <laughs> supposedly, supposedly, this king of fruit. The best one is in Malay. Some of you are like, well, what's the king of what? Grapes? No. It is called durian. Let us pray for these brothers and sisters right now. <laughs> Let me say this to you. <laughs> if you've ever smelled it, been around it, juggling it, I'm telling you right now. That smell will literally destroy you, and you'll be like, yuck. Well, that's the nicest word I could think of. But I'm telling you right now, once you taste it and try it, it's different. That's the same thing. I pray. Not that durian is like life group. Oh my God. (laughs) This stinks. Sign up. Come to where life has been changed. So many people around you with these rude yellow colors. Their lives have been turned around. Yellow shirt people, amen? Amen. Some are like, why are they all wearing yellow? Is this like a uniform? You know? (laughs) This is our, we were using this as our outreach uh, shirt. So that's why these guys are wearing it today as we do different activities. The second thing is this seek to build community biblical community that means that you have an active part don't just be there kind of passive but help seek build biblical community and lastly stop making excuses let's stop how busy we are or that person that and just do it because this is what we were created for is to have these meaningful relationships that God has ordained for us as we do it purposely for the glory of God I want to close with this uh, video that shares the story about a family who ended up meeting another family's need in a a time of tragedy. And as I was listening to this and watching this, it just really moved my heart. I was thinking, would Christina and I ever do this? Would anybody in our lives ever do this for us? And it really reminded me the importance of building this kind of community now so that when tragedy hits, We don't have to be searching around for it, but we'll have a group of people who love us, who can surround us. Because I'm going to tell you this, whether you're a Christian or not, all of us will face some kind of tragedy in our lives, a loss of a loved one. Something will happen. That's just life. I just hope that you have people who love you enough, who will care for you, are committed to you, so that you can experience the love of God. This is what Life Group is all about. This is what our church is all about. I pray that you will make it count. In relationships with the one life that you have let's watch this together as we close I want us to take this time to respond to God in light of what was shared and with this one life you don't know who you're gonna impact I'm just thinking about this coming year in our life group that there might be some people who are searching for truth what would it be like if after one year of experiencing life group community people caring for them people committing them to themselves to them and that person actually comes to receive jesus christ as lord and savior and we get to baptize them this year it just doesn't happen automatically there are people who pray, there are people who invest, there are people who commit and help build out the community week after week. If you've never experienced the joy of salvation, not only for yourself, but the joy of salvation in somebody that you spend time with, I'm telling you right, you are missing out on a huge chunk of Christian life. You can experience this in community. Not only joining, but actively saying, how do I commit to others how do I commit to this how do I commit and care for people even though they're hard to care for at times they're extra grace required people but God you've shown me a lot of grace you show me a lot of love what would it be like that in your life group this coming year that there are people from all different backgrounds and some of them with some excruciating pain in their life finally understand the gospel message And their life is never the same and they start sharing testimonies of a life that has been transformed and they become a light to other people as they reach out to them and share the gospel what would that be like for some of us in life group this year what would it be like for some of these people who go to church they've gone to church ever since they were born with their parents by coming to life group they realize wow the faith of my parents I never made it for myself and they understand this gospel message and they commit their lives knowing now everything that they were taught it was all head knowledge but it now comes down to their hearts that would be such a powerful thing to see those people come to christ this coming year someone's sick something happened to your parents or lord forbid but any of those things but can you imagine who will you have to fly across the world to say we're here with you that we love you we're going to pray for you we're going to stand up we're going to stay up all night if we have to we'll go with you back home if you need to we'll do whatever we can because we love you because God has loved me in such a way we want to do everything possible I think if we're deeply honest with ourselves we will all say we all want something like that because we are wired up hardwired to be in community with God and to be in community with other people and there is nothing more powerful than to experience God together make it count this year whether you are a returning member or whether this is your first time in Hong Kong and first time meeting a group of people like this I just pray that you will experience something a love of another kind love that's out of this world and the world cannot explain it and how can you the God of the universe coming down to live like us but yet without sin, to be nailed to the cross for sinful people like you and I, but He did it because He loves us. That is a love that no one can explain. I pray that you will open your heart to God's love in that way. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? I want to pray for us and then afterwards I want to give you some time just to think about what was shared how we can make relationships meaningful if we approach it or look at it and try to do everything possible with a greater sense of purpose as we do it purposefully that's going to take care for one another it's going to take commitment to one another so father I thank you for your commitment to us your care for us as you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And that's why we have now only the, not only the freedom, free from our sin, free from our guilt, but we have the freedom to choose now to willingly be in community with others, to experience your love in a powerful way. I pray that you will smash, destroy, annihilate, do whatever you need to of any false ideas, or our own dreams what it's supposed to be like and say God whatever you want to do if you want to open my heart and remind me of these things that I've never addressed if you want me to grow in this one particular area that I don't want to grow in but you realize this is what I need God have your way this coming year so God I just pray that this year in our church we will experience community like never before Bless every single life group that will be formed this coming year. Bless every single member, Lord God, who will commit to the life group. I pray that it will be a powerful move of your spirit. So come Holy Spirit, right now minister to us. Speak to us. I want to give you a moment here just to communicate with God. Just tell him what you're feeling in your heart and just make a commitment. I'm going to sign up for a life group I'm going to give it a try just one time just like the pastor said I'm going to try it once and if it's not good I'm not going to come back and I'm going to seek to build this community and I'm going to stop making excuses and say I need this Christianity cannot be done alone you will you will not grow without community so I'm going to I'm going to do whatever it takes will you just make some kind of commitment and then we'll respond with some worship to God, and then we'll close out here this morning. Let's do that for just a couple minutes. the thing we do in our church a lot of things we do in our church there's a purpose and a reason behind it one of the things we like to do is we like to kind of bridge the aisles and just join hands together as a family of God can we just do that if I know some of you this might be really awkward or uncomfortable but try it once all right? so next time you have to sit way in the back or the last row or the aisle so you don't have to touch anyone's hand but will you just bridge the middle and join hands with somebody next to you to me this is a great picture of what community is about we're on this journey together as we hold each other's hand we're saying I'm standing here with you committed to God and committed to you as being a person who wants to walk this journey it's a sign of unity a sign of togetherness there is something powerful when we're together. And that's why what I want us to do this last moment here, I want us to pray. And I want you to pray that we will experience biblical community and we'll make all our relationships this coming year count. Whoever you place in my life, if it's the person next to me, then God, I want to be able to love them in Christ. Help our church to build community. For your glory. In, in this world where there's so much division and polarizing issues, we the church, we are kingdoms of another, we, we are citizens of another kingdom. And we have a great King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we want to be a, a salt and light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We want to shine brightly as we love one another and love the people in this city and in our campuses, workplace, neighborhoods. So once again, just for about a minute or so, let's just lift our voices together in one voice and joining hands and one heart. Let's pray, God, help us to build community this year together for your name's sake. Come on, let's do that together, shall we? we thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.